This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Mario. I'm the pastor here at Mosaic Church. Hey, I'm going to uh, talk to you real quick about an Easter message. Uh, I imagine you wouldn't expect anything different on Easter. Uh, the message really is geared towards people who have a relationship with Jesus or you're searching. Uh, we do trust what the Bible says. And so this morning, I'm, I'm not going to attempt to uh, talk about the validity of the scriptures. We, we already do that as believers. We have studied. We've looked into it. Uh, we've studied into, and looked into the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, we don't do this. Uh, faith does not mean just blind stepping forward, but processing, thinking about it, trusting, believing, and, and moving forward. We're going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 27, verse 32 through 34. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 27, 32 through 34. Matthew chapter 27, verse 32 through 44, as they went out, they found, this is Jesus is uh, now coming in to Jerusalem. He's now carrying the cross, um, and then he stumbles during his process of carrying the cross, and they found this man of Cyrene, Simon, by name, and they compelled this man to carry his cross. So Jesus has, uh, he's, he's worn out. He has been beaten, he has been uh, spat upon, he's, he's been whipped, all those things, and now he's walking to the cross, and he, he tires out, and so he can't carry it anymore, and so the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 27 uh, that they, when it came to a certain point, this man, uh, Simon from Cyrene, they compelled him to carry the cross, and when they came to a place called Galgotha, which means a place of a skull, They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink of it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there, and over his head they put this sign, this charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, uh, uh, wagging their heads and and saying, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. This is sarcasm here. Save yourself if you are the son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from that cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Matthew chapter 27. Every religion, um, every, basically every nation has a symbol which tries to and attempts to capture the essence of their ideology, their philosophy, um, and the foundation what de- uh, defines it. So, for example, we have the first picture is a lotus. The lotus is, um, 
is a, a symbol that Buddhists use. Uh, it's a lotus flower because its wheel shape depicts the cycle of birth and death and the beauty and harmony out of chaos. The next symbol, uh, modern Jews, modern Judaism uses the Star of David, which combines two equilateral triangles to speak of God's eternal covenant with David. Islam, the next symbol, uses the symbol of a crescent and a star, which originally depicted a phase of the moon and was used by Muslims during the Ottoman Empire. We're going to go with an old school. The next two symbols are old school. But this next one, some of you older ones should recognize this one. The Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, used this infamous hammer and sickle to represent the intersection of industry and agriculture. This next one might surprise you. Um, downstairs, my wife, uh, she's a yard sale aficionado, and uh, she found this, uh, this easel. It looks like an easel. It's a schoolyard easel, and, um, and you can use chalk on it. It's, it's really old. We found it from the 19, we believe it's 1923. And the only reason we saw that is that we saw it on the Antique Roadshow. Like, yes, and then I looked it up on eBay to see how much it was. It wasn't that much. But if you scroll, there's a scroll on there, paper scroll. You scroll on there. It has mathematical equations you know, for little kids. It has designs of, of homes and mommy and daddy. And if you scroll... All of a sudden, pops up this symbol, which scared me at first because I thought we, we bought Nazi memorabilia. What I didn't know at the time, what I but looked into it, what we call the swastika was made infamous by the German Nazis, despite it had a long history that symbolizes creativity and prosperity. Matter of fact, if you look at some of our first World War planes, it had that symbol on our American planes. It's kind of mind-boggling. Let's go to the next symbol. Because symbols have emotional power, and they have meaning, and they represent something beyond what is simply seen. And I would say this is a perfect example, the cross. The cross is a symbol that has a lot of meaning. It represents something beyond what you just see. It's revered by us as believers, as Christians, and um, the cross it has significant power in the Christian world. We believe that it represents, it's a symbol of something incredibly powerful. And so this morning, I'd like for us to just go through a tiny journey of Considering the symbols that we just talked about, the symbol of the cross. Now, the cross is a unique symbol compared to the other ones. Because if you saw a picture of a cross, especially in the, in the beginning of the Christian world, at the time of Jesus, this was not something that we would revere. It's not something that we would think, wow, that's awesome. It's definitely something, it would, you wouldn't have chiseled into a, a little piece of gold and, and hung it around your neck. Because really what symbolizes, what this symbolizes, one of the first meanings is defeat, is death. Nobody likes to wear 
Can you imagine if we had necklaces with the electric chair symbol on there? Or maybe a, a lethal injection? It represents death. It represents death. So today I want to talk to you as we go through the crucifixion and the resurrection. This cross, the other symbols, you know, you know something beautiful. You know, the, the lotus or the, the star of David or, you know, the, the hammer and sickle. You know, all those just kind of positive. And even that, that the swastika in its inception had something positive. But this inception is something that represented defeat. And that's what we celebrated or honored and, and on, on Friday night is that Jesus was betrayed by Judas. He was charged by religious leaders. Uh, he was brought before Pontius Pilate. He was uh, exchanged for a, a criminal. He was savagely flogged. He was mercilessly mocked. Uh, and now he was sent to the cross, a symbol of defeat. And the thing about this, and I'm going to fast track, if you will, is that this symbol that we revere in the beginning, it definitely was a symbol of defeat. It was something that um, you, were, you wouldn't wear it around your neck. You would not make a little, a little symbol of it and, and pierce it in your ear. You would not uh, tattoo it onto your arm because it was a symbol of defeat. It was a symbol of death. Two weeks ago, uh, I shared that uh, um, one of my favorite writers, A.W. Tozier, said that when you saw someone walking with a cross, going to a certain place, you knew that you would not see him again. You would never say, see you later, because you're not going to see him later. It's a symbol of death and defeat. And, and it wasn't just like uh, quick I'm not going to say painless because we, we now know it's not painless, but a quick death as an electrocution, you know, back in the old days when you electrocuted, you know, it was a few seconds. It was three, four, five seconds of pain, and then the, the person died. Or the lethal injection, whereas they talk about is, you know, he would just fall asleep and, and he would die. But this end game, when the Romans nailed Jesus to the cross, it was to humiliate him and also to bring terror to those who were watching. It was a way to control the masses. If you misbehave, that will be you on that cross. And so uh, the symbol of the cross, in the, its inception was a symbol of defeat. It was something that uh, was used as a political tool by the Romans to terrorize people. So if you did think about it, if we were to put up um, an electric chair there, you would, it would have its same kind of, you know, uh, emotional response. Like, you don't want to be in that thing. You don't want to be uh, crucified. And so it was a political tool to, uh, to terrorize people. And not only that, it wasn't like this, they did this out of sight, out of mind. They did it right in the, in the, in the place where there was a lot of foot traffic. They would pick a place where people would stop and see. So it really was a symbol of defeat. Now what's interesting, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, 23, the Jewish people, if, if they knew their Old Testament, which most of them did, they knew that the symbol of the cross, dying on a tree, was basically a curse from God. 
So you would not tattoo some sort of curse, some sort of hex statement on your body or, or carry it on your, on your earlobe or around your neck. This was a symbol of defeat. Another thing this symbol was a symbol of shame. This, you know, when they hung Jesus on the cross, uh, it was connected, and, and part of the purpose was to bring shame. It wasn't just physical abuse, but it was also emotional abuse. It was, to, it was designed to bring shame. So we talk about symbols, and we talk about how the, you know, the lotus is just beautiful, and it's just like the circle of life, and, and the, the triangles, the uh, star of David, and and. All those symbols had these positive, but in the beginning, the cross was not positive. It was designed to terrorize. It was something defeat uh, that symbolized defeat, and now it also symbolizes shame. And shame, and then they would place guards around, and they placed guards around Jesus in verse 36 to keep, and I believe to keep the crowd in check so that nobody would come to his aid. And then during this time, it's also shameful that they, they divided his, his garments by casting lots in verse 35. They, they saw his clothing as some sort of, in a sense, like pirate bounty. And then the, the Romans, uh, to just add to the shame, would post on top of the cross maybe their, their criminal charge. Their criminal charge. And then, but they put on the cross... It said there, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And it wasn't a sign of, of honor. They were mocking him. And, and so Pilate had no doubt wanted to be offensive. And so he places this, this placard above his head that uh, said the king of the Jews. What is ironic is that they were mocking him. But in reality, Jesus really is the Messiah. Amen. He really is the Messiah. In verse 38, it says that he's crucified between two criminals or robbers or insurrectionists. We, we, we don't know exactly what their crime was. And so it's also, again, to, to identify with shame. Here are two shameful people that got caught in doing something illegal, and we're going to now associate Jesus, who did nothing illegal, with them. You know, a long time ago, just a personal story, uh, talking about um, just just uh, being bunched in with a group that you didn't identify with, but you got caught into it. There was a season in my life where God had called me to do uh, some, what we call open-air preaching. I would just preach the gospel on the campus at Florida State. Now, we have, and every year, and I imagine it's still the same way, people who come onto the campus and preach. The ones that I have seen, I would say they're not, they're not there to preach the good news, it seems like they're there to insult people. Uh, they don't seem to, and again, I don't want to. I want to be very sensitive, uh, but it just wasn't good. And then the the Lord called me to do that to set an example. It was easy for me to criticize those bad people. Look what they're doing, and I really felt God was saying, like, "Well, then show your group the way." So I, I did, and and I remember one of my um, moments that I was out there, I would go every Wednesday between uh, 11.55 and 12.20, about 25 minutes. I remember that the vice president, I won't tell you which one, who knew me and I knew her, saw me. And she looked at me like, you are one of those crazy lunatics too? 
like, and I remember just we were meeting, made eye contact, and I'm like, she thinks I'm one of those crazy lunatics. So Jesus is now in the middle of between two criminals. So the, the, the symbol of the cross was, was uh, a defeat. It was also to bring shame. Look what they said. You, you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself if you are the son of God. Come down from the cross. So they're calling into question his power to bring shame. They challenge him in, in, in Matthew chapter 4 to prove uh, by showing his power. It goes on and says, he trusts in God. Let them deliver him now if he desires for him. For he said, I am the son of God, in verse 42. The cross, its symbol in the beginning was a symbol of defeat and shame. And that's not a good thing. But if we keep on reading, and of course I could, I, we could elaborate some more, but we won't this morning. If you keep on reading, it's also a symbol of fulfillment. This is part of God's plan. And, uh, what happened was not an accident. I could read scripture after scripture that would just provide uh, all the verses prior to this crucifixion that build up into fulfillment. It says in John uh, 3, verse 14, And Moses was as lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that's what they talk about, being lifted up on the cross. In Psalm 69, verse 21, They gave me poison for food. For my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. And it happened. And so the cross is a symbol of fulfillment. Uh, for those of us uh, and those of you who are st uh, students of the Word of God, you can see over and over again how... So many things were previously stated, what we call prophesied, are now coming to pass during the time of Jesus. Psalms 22.18 says, They divided the garments by casting lots as parallels. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Uh, they divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, um, that it should be no surprise that Jesus was crucified with criminals. Therefore, I will divide my, my portion with many. He shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and it was numbered with the transgressors. And I can go on. But the cross is not just a, a symbol of defeat. It's not just a symbol of shame. But it's also now a symbol of fulfillment. Many of us in this room, we may have decided as a young person to follow the Lord, but we have studied his word. We have looked into the prophecies. And as we've gotten older in our faith, we, you know, we may have had questions like, really, is this the truth? Is Jesus really true? Did he really die? Did he really, was he re really raised from the dead? And as we get older, uh, in our church, at Mosaic Church, we don't frown on questioning things like this. We would challenge you to, to question, to think, to process. And as we did, when we have and we've looked at, we see just the incredible probabilities of, uh, of Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies. So this, the cross is a symbol of fulfillment. It's also a symbol of salvation. Now, sometimes from time to time, if you're new, you might 
you might hear me like I'm going to say now, uh, amen. And amen means like, yes, I, I agree with you. This, the cross is a symbol of salvation. And that's why many of us wear the, the symbols on our, on our ear and, in, and around our necks and, and even tattooed on our bodies. It's, it's a symbol of salvation. It's, it's really driven in the New Testament. Uh, it, it shows us over and over again that the cross is, uh, let me read in First uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, excuse me. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So it's not just a symbol of shame. It's not just a symbol, uh, a symbol of a defeat. Uh, it's it's, it's a, not just a symbol of fulfilling prophecies, but it's also a symbol of salvation. We sang about it this morning. The cross is about making new people. And we should all celebrate what this cross symbolizes, what Jesus did on the cross. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I submitted my life to him. I trusted him with my future. I trusted him with my, my present time in my life. I trusted him in my social life. I trusted him with my finances. I trusted him, but he didn't leave me the way he found me. Aren't you glad he's not going to leave you the way he found you? I mean, I was, for those of you who don't know me and you've never heard, I was an um, incredibly selfish, self-seeking person. I just, everything was about me. I was the king of a me monster. I don't know if you've ever been around me monsters, but I was one of them. Things had to be about me. And so I'm glad that God loved me so much that he died on the cross and he gave me eternal life, but he didn't leave me at my current state at that time. I began now what we call the journey with him. And so the cross is a symbol of defeat. It's a symbol of shame. It's also fulfillment. It's also salvation. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Because I was lost, but now I've been found. And I will always be grateful for that. I was lost, but now I'm found. Look what it says in verse 20 of, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 20 of Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So as I gave my life to the Lord, and many of you have given your life to the Lord, it's no longer that I live, but him that lives in me. And the thing that I love about the cross, it is a symbol of defeat and death. But it's the, it's the death of my selfish ways of, uh, that I no longer have to serve sin, my selfish ways. We, I think we sang a song about the chains are broken. I tried to live a life before knowing Jesus. Try to break some of my sinful patterns of behavior. I was successful for a few moments, but I found myself still bound to them. And because of what Jesus did, because of what, how he was nailed to the cross, he died 
so I could be free. And so again, as I just read in Galatians, now I live, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we don't have to serve sin anymore. And it talks about new things happen in your life. The fruit of the Spirit, it says in Galatians 5, is joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And all of a sudden, instead of being what I used to be, all of a sudden, now God is living in me, and all of a sudden, my desires are different. My life is different. I begin to express different types of uh, lifestyle patterns, not because of what I could do, but what, he can do, what he's done in my life. So it's a symbol of salvation. Let's move on because I'm almost through. So as Christians, we always talk about the cross because it's what he did. It's what he did that allows us to do what we're doing and have the relationship with Jesus. We sang Friday night at our our, uh, Good Friday service, um, the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I love that old cross where the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain. It is. It is a symbol of death. And our selfish, and if we receive Jesus into our lives and live for him, our selfish desires are put to, to death. The cross shows us that God always, always loves and always has the last word. And here's my last favorite symbol. We're going to, it's a symbol, it's a resemblance. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, and when Jesus cried out, when he died, he cried out with a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I don't have time, but if you just do a little studies of why this happened. I think last week we talked about that during this time of the Passover, the time of Jesus being killed, there's this history that well, um, book that we've read or uh, talks about this, this information that they found during that time. They estimated 250,000 lambs were slaughtered during the time of this Passover. They figured there's about um, 2 million people living in Jerusalem that came in for the Passover. And that's how many lambs had to be slaughtered for the remission of sin. And Jesus dies, and what happens when he uh, says his, gives his last breath for us? The Bible says that the temple curtain was ripped in half. See, on the other side of that curtain was relationship with God, and only a few people could have that. Once a year, the, the, the high priest would, would go behind that curtain and communicate and have relationship with God, our Father, on our behalf. And when Jesus dies, it's not just a symbol of defeat, but it's also a symbol of relationship. That when that curtain was split in half, it says from top to bottom, so it wasn't done by man, it was done by God, that we can now have relationship with Jesus. The curtain symbolized that we were maybe at one time shut out from having a relationship with Jesus, with God, the living God, but because of what Jesus did on that cross, that now we can have relationship with him. And that Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm finishing here, 
Hebrew chapter 10 tells us, therefore, and we just sang that song, uh, Throne Room. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, why do we have confidence? Because of the cross. Because of what Jesus did. Because we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. So the cross initially symbolizes death. It symbolizes shame. It symbolizes terror. It symbolizes fulfillment. It symbolizes salvation. But at the end, it also symbolizes relationship because the curtain was torn. And now we get to have a relationship. And not only we, a relationship, we could do that with confidence, not by what we've done, but what he's done. And so that's why on Easter Sunday, like today, we worship Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's just begin to just process that. Let's just begin to process that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, this morning we uh, sang, uh, we, there was a special that was played for you. Uh, we sang songs about you. Uh, we took communion that represented what you did for us. We recited some words and proclaimed all those things about you. And now this morning, we're listening to a message, what you have done for us. And our response will be gratefulness and relationship. So Heavenly Father, this morning, there might be someone who's never trusted you. They've never said, you know, I've been living my own life. I've not trusted you, God, in every area. Lord, I pray, God, that you would begin to, to just move on their lives and their hearts and their minds. And if God's moving on your heart this morning, I'm going to sit right here in the front and I just come talk to me afterwards and we can pray and talk together. Or you're going to have to take that Second step, the first step, Jesus has already done through the Holy Spirit and speaking into your heart and your mind. Second step is just come and let's talk and let's talk about what this all really means. So, Lord, we ask that you would direct our hearts and our minds to what you did on the cross. And, Lord, we know that if we kept on reading in Matthew chapter 27 and 28, Lord, that three days later you raised from the dead. Lord, we celebrate that today, Resurrection Sunday, the day that you arose from the dead. So, Lord, we know we no longer cultivate sin, or we don't court sin. We confess. We ask for your cleansing, that we take, partake of your, your life, and, Lord, that we allow you to live in our lives. And, Lord, we say thank you, and we receive your love and your goodness and your mercy and forgiveness, we say thank you.
And we thank you that we have a relationship with you. Thank you for that curtain that was torn in half. That we don't have to slaughter 250,000 sheep just for you. But Lord, we can just trust in you and your son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.